We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yep. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. <laughs> Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Hey, everybody. Value Add with K&K. Crystal Kenny here. Just want to say thank you so much for the support, for listening, um, the comments, everything. Keep it up. We'll keep going as long as we can. And if you like what you're listening to, like what you're watching, uh, tell your friends about it, leave us a review, maybe even give us five stars. We love those. That's how we can grow and continue to bring you guys value and spread the word. Thanks, guys. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Today, we have Annette and Valerie with us. They are with NAMI. That's the National Alliance for Mental Illness. And we're excited to have them here. Um, I actually, my husband and I met Valerie uh, through taking a class, a 12-week class for actually my brother. We took it with my mom, my sister, uh, Kenny, and I and uh, basically learned all about mental illness. My brother um, is schizoaffective, and so we took it as a family in order for us to learn coping skills. And honestly, I, I don't know why we didn't do it sooner. It was just we got so much value out of it. We learned a lot, and we learned how to deal with things as a family. Um, so we wanted to bring Valerie and Annette here today to talk a little bit about the program and um, see if we can help anybody else that's struggling with a family member or loved one. So thank you guys so much for coming in today. Thank you for having You're us. Welcome. We're glad to be here. Yeah, and um, I'm super excited, honestly, to have you guys on because I was I even tell this, like they should have a course like this in like high school because not only did we dive deep and how to deal with family members or loved ones that have mental illness. Um, the other thing is, is it's a good lesson on how to just deal with people in general and life. Like if somebody's upset or this or that, like I just learned a lot of things like, wow, I could deal differently in business when things are going bad. So I really appreciate you coming on and obviously doing the course and helping our community out. We're so glad. It was great to have your family as part of our class because when we teach this class, uh, it's the class is called Family to Family, and um, Annette, by the way, is our education programs manager. So she um, kind of runs the whole education program. She's the wow. one who schedules all the classes all around San Diego County and makes wow. sure every single family member's needs are met. So wow. when a family calls in for help, they they go through Annette. Okay. So Rose, your so mom, probably mom probably talked, talked to, Annette. to Annette. Yes. Uh -huh. And we were calling at a time of need. <laughs> yes, we were. Right. Yes. And most families do call when they're in crisis. And I do talk to every family member. We're contracted with the County of San Diego to offer um, probably 20 family-to-family -family classes. And each family-to-family -family class registers about 20 to 25 individuals mm -hmm. that goes through 12 weeks. So I interact with every single graduate, which is maybe 340, 350 people to make sure they meet the criteria of the class. But the class is uh, phenomenal. It's for loved ones who have um, a loved one over the age of 18. Um, Valerie runs a program for children, youth, and family and offers a different program for family members that have a loved one under the age of 18. So we work hand-in-hand -hand with our programs. We interchange emails back and forth when we talk to family members. Just to make sure that the <clears throat> family's needs are met. So 
Um, family to Family is a class for, as Annette said, um, loved one, family members with loved ones over 18. Okay. And then NAMI Basics is a six-week class that's very similar. It's kind of like a Family to Family 101 or a NAMI okay. 101. Okay. So um, because those family members have um, a child under age 18, they're still in the school district yeah, system. That's what it is. Okay. Right, so that class is going to really go over the basics. What? And it's not even a diagnosis at that point. It's more like just challenging behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just that um, maybe they're noticing things are off with the child, or the child can't cope in school. Maybe the child they can't even get the child to school, and they're trying to figure out how am I going to navigate this. So many times it's really challenging for, for family members to think maybe there's a mental health issue involved. Mm -hmm. So by taking this class, they're going to start learning about what challenging behaviors are kind of more related to mental health concerns. You know, what can families do to try and navigate through this? And then there's some crossover classes. Like in our class, we had the communication workshop, yeah. which I think you guys really got a lot out of. Yes. yes. So we do that same communication workshop in NAMI Basics, exactly the same class, because communication is so important for families uh, to learn. So it's important for anybody to right. learn. Yeah. I think that's – and I, we talked about this a little bit in the classes. I know people come to you always in crisis because it's like – you don't want to believe that this is the issue and then you're kind of hoping it's a phase or it's going to go away and then you're in this this conversation of like come on get it together like what are you snap thinking snap out of it right right and when that's not when they're not snapping out of it it's kind of like now what's the next step and what support is out there and what can we do exactly yeah. so i would um whoever wants to go first um I've heard your story, which is crazy. Um, tell us your story and just how you became a part of like NAMI. So my journey started about nine years ago, 10 years ago. I've kind of lost track, but I, I, I'll say I'll go with 10, a okay. decade. So my loved one was in her late 20s, and um, she was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. But that was only after I received a phone call from a hospital that said she had attempted to end her life. I thought, nope, not my daughter. She's got a great job. She's loving life. Mm, nope, wrong person. She wasn't living with me. She was independent, healthy independent. And um, I just knew that wasn't my daughter. Well, it was my daughter, and something had happened in her life. And our family family book says that we have a gene, and it's if we do have that gene. And the environment pulls the trigger, and when the environment pulls the trigger, we, our loved one actually goes down that hole, and we don't know what to do. My life was turned upside down. I didn't know where to go, who to turn to. And um, I was introduced to NAMI, and that completely changed my life mm -hmm. over the past 10 years. Um, where it was a road, my daughter also has co-occurring, which means she was addicted to prescription pain meds for chronic pain. That took quite a while to, um, to figure out do we put her, do, do we ask her to go to rehab? She's an adult. She's not a minor. Mm -hmm. You can't make an adult go anywhere. You can't make an adult have their doctors tell the family members, even though we only have their best interest at heart. It was, it was a horrible struggle. 
um, my family, unlike your family, didn't come together so quickly. So mm. I was dealing with this on my own. Mm. And through education, advocacy, and supporting of my daughter, um, we were she surrendered to, do, to go to rehab. And um, I took family to family, and I was a little... I was a little irritated when I first took Family to Family because it's an evidence-based book. It's written by a psychologist or psychiatrist, and they read to you. It's like, I don't want to be read to. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, give me the book. Just let me take it home. I can read read this on my my own. They make us read, too, which I was like, oh, why am I reading this? I'm a terrible reader. Yeah, exactly. But you can pass. It's an okay thing. But I was a little irritated, but I'm really, really glad I stayed because where my daughter is today... She's healthy. She's clean awesome. and sober. She has a full-time job. She has a new car. Her car's even newer than mine. Wow. <laughs> that she got all on her own, and she is raising a six-year-old daughter, and wow. she's just an amazing mom. So um, I have been told, and my previous education director has shared with me, that we hold their hope mm-hmm. until they're able to hope for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that statement is so, so true. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Sure. And she knows I tell her story. So it's not... That's part of it. That's part of it, yeah. It is, because she would like to help other family members know that, you know, there's hope. There's possibility for, for a healthy life. You're not your diagnosis. No. Absolutely. Yep. I agree with that. And I think that we do all hope for our loved ones and family And others, members. too. I mean, yeah. That's why you... That they can be successful and independent. And mm-hmm. that's... Absolutely. Really. And that recovery is possible. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I think that's, for me, um, when people come into the class, that's one of the biggest aspects is that they think that their loved one's at the end of the road and there's no hope, right? That mm-hmm. there's... You know, that this bleak future ahead is going to be sort of the path that they're going to be on. But, you know, I'm so amazed by um, the people that I work with at NAMI San Diego and the young people on my team who live with really intense diagnoses, but they have a job and they're Mm -hmm. working and they're working beautifully in their recovery and um, very focused on how to work their recovery. So that's a process of getting to that point, but it's it's really evident that recovery is possible. Mm-hmm. It's possible for every single person who has a diagnosis um, or who's struggling with a, you know, a, a fear that they may have a diagnosis. Right, and, and like family members, education is key so is it for peers Mm -hmm. and that peers should consider having that education piece so they know what triggers them so they know what to do if they're not having a good day and we as family members need to applaud the fact that if our loved one lives with depression and they get out of bed in the morning be grateful for that yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely be grateful for that I worked in another program for NAMI um, called Next Steps out of the San Diego Psychiatric Hospital. It's another contracted program. And they assign peers and family support specialists to anyone who has been in the hospital. And they help that peer navigate the system. Because the system is pretty tough to navigate on your own, Mm -hmm. even for someone who does not live with a mental health challenge. So we, they, in that particular program, we would take them, we would you know, help them get their Medi-Cal, take them to the county offices if they needed, whatever they needed. If their scg bill wasn't being paid and it was going to be turned off, we knew where to take them so it would be paid. Yeah. So it's helping wow. them and supporting wow. them through and navigating the system. That's really cool. Valerie, can you kind of share your story? 
Sure, yeah. <clears throat> so my story began, well, my son is now 22 years old. Okay. And um, so but things really began to get rough for him when he was about 10 years old. Wow. Um, and so... Lift the mic up a little bit. Is that better? So when he was 10 years old. So what happened was things just got really rough for him in school. Um, I started, I didn't really understand anything about advocacy or how to do this. Um, so we were just kind of working through it together and as a family. But um, when he went into middle school, things got even tougher for him. Um, and he used drugs as a self-medication tool. And a lot of our youth, if they don't really get the help that they need, that's a that's an mm -hmm. easy avenue for them to kind of take matters into their own hands. Um, of course, he was hiding all this stuff from, from us, his parents, and so we didn't really know what was going on. Um, but by the time he was um, a little older, there were some, you know, he was getting into some trouble with the law and... We were getting called out in the middle of the night by the police that they had our sons and he was taking our younger son along with him. Oh, and boy. we were just like, what the heck is going on here? So by the time he was in ninth grade, he was basically failing out of school completely. And um, we took him to a child psychiatrist. And during that meeting, he revealed that he had a plan in place to take his life. So all of a sudden, things just in one meeting became very, very serious. Um, and you know, with that, we couldn't really um, we couldn't really send him back to school. So I had two weeks of suicide watch. That that's pretty intense. When oh, you have wow. to keep someone within six feet of you at all times, day and night. Um, that was pretty wow. intense. But we. We had to, yeah, at that point we had to um, find a residential program for him. And we knew the drug use was a big factor at that point. But we just knew other things were going on, but we didn't know what it was. So, um, you know, that those challenging behaviors, those um, things that you don't really know what it is. Um, he was our first son, so... I just think he's being rebellious or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, we really didn't know. Is this normal behavior? Is this, you know... Puberty? We, is yeah. It, you know, yeah. We didn't yeah. know. Yeah. So we placed him in residential care, um, and he ended up staying in residential care for uh, three and a half years, which is intense. Wow. Yeah. And he'll tell... If he were sitting here at the table right now, he'd say... You'd say, nobody does that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a long time. It's intense, but we would try to bring him home, and he'd resort to old behaviors and be in trouble within no time flat, go back to all of his old um, his old coping, co uh, you know, coping, coping tools. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, and, and he presented really challenging. He's a super bright, smart young man. He has... Um, he doesn't present like he has a, a mental health um, situation, but his drug use, um, again, was so over the top that um, there were just really huge concerns. Um, and his suicidal ideation, which was attached to depression, and now, and now I think he had great anxiety, um, but that was just kind of never discussed, even though at that time, what that was maybe six years ago, not really discussed that much. 
Um, so we did, though, through through all of that residential care, got him um, the help that he needed. We did get him to graduate high school, which was a big effort. Um, but but when he was done with all those high school services, um, and, and I should say that didn't go without a fight through the school district and also a fight through the insurance company because residential care is extremely expensive Ooh. for families. And um, to try and get the school on board to help offer support for his care was a big fight. And then to get my insurance company on board to um, quit denying services was a big fight. But um, I really, really worked hard to get all the service needs in place for him um, so that he could get the help and care that he needed. Um, so then, you know, fast forward, um, when, when at one point he was going to be coming home and we had to figure out how to best support him. And at the time, I have a really close friend who um, she and her husband were up in Northern California and they were teaching family to family. Oh, okay. And so she said, you have to take a family to family class. And so my husband, um, I signed both of us up. My husband's older brother, they're only a year apart, but his older brother uh, was living with paranoid schizophrenia um, since, since his older brother was 18 years old. So for what, I don't know, at this point it was 35 or 40 years. Wow. I, mean, I don't know. I can't, I'm not doing the math in my head off the top of my head. But, um, but so my husband was you know, wanted to know better tools for being able to support his brother and also the family. So family to family class was really life changing for mm-hmm. us. Um, and I know that Annette mentions um, her old, what, I don't know how you, how you described Anita, but Anita was my teacher. Uh, Anita Fisher, the previous education director of NAMI San Diego. Right. And so I just happened to have Anita Fisher as my teacher. She and her partner at the time were these incredible teachers. My husband and I learned so much, and we completely fell in love with Anita and, mm-hmm. and her and her partner too. But Anita was just, just phenomenal. And at the end of the class, Anita invited me to um, to teach the class. I should say that during the class, I learned about advocacy. I, I learned what advocacy was. I didn't know that that was a thing that I could do. I just knew that that's what I was doing for my mm-hmm. son. But I learned so much in that class um, that during that class, it was I was fighting my insurance company at the time for um, the denials. Mm-hmm. And I the information I learned in that class um, in, kind of encouraged me to search further for mental health parity. And what that means is that, you know, parity means that a mental health condition slash co-occurring disorder, so that means mental health and drug um, drug abuse would be treated the same way like a cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. would be treated, right? So because he has um, a co-occurring disorder doesn't mean that he should be turned away from care. And he was being turned away from care like every five days. That's mm-hmm. crazy. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. So I decided that I took my knowledge and I wrote a letter and I reported my insurance company to the California Insurance Commissioner's office. Smart. And um, and they they have like ten, like five working days or ten working days where they have to um, give you an answer. They turned they turned over all the denials so that my son could stay there. But they um, 
about three weeks later, I got a phone call from the insurance commissioner's office and they said, Mrs. Hebert, we wanted to let you know that um, the ruling came down and it's in your favor. And I said, well, what do you mean about a ruling? And they said, the case, they ruled in your favor. I said, I don't even know there's a case. And they said, oh yeah, they, they took it um, and you, and what they ruled it is, is that uh, in your case, um, your son will be able to stay in placement at his treatment center as long as his doctor says he needs to be there, even beyond what's covered in your insurance plan. Wow. And wow. they said, they said, you know, this, wow. and they'll, and not only for you, but for every single family insured through Anthem Blue Cross, who is wow. our insurance. And I was like, are you, I was like, that's huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is huge. Wow. And I'm yeah. just, I just like felt you like. You the rules for so many other exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, you know, gosh, here I am just a regular person trying to advocate for my son. And the power of advocacy just really, I was fueled at that point. I was like, wow, if I'm just one parent who can do this and then and, and impact so many families, what could I do if I really put my, you know, my feet to the mat here and really yeah. tried to work hard for families? So during that, um, during that time frame, I trained to become a family-to-family -family teacher, started teaching the class, and that first year, my co-teacher, I don't know, she, was, she thought I was really special Rosa, <laughs> she, and I, and so what happened, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I was invited to apply for a new contract that had just um, come to NAMI San Diego surrounding the Children, Youth, and Family Liaison. So, um, and what the Children, Youth, and Family Liaison, this was a, a new contract. Um, I shouldn't say it was a new contract, but it was offered to NAMI to help be the liaison between behavioral health within the children's system of care and then the family and the community and the county service um, providers that need that liaison. So I was very excited by that because I felt that being able to use my personal lived experience of what we'd experienced in our family mm -hmm. and try to navigate and advocate for families across the board really spoke to me. So I was very thrilled to start working in that department, and um, last last summer, I guess I was, I received the promotion to the program manager for Children, Youth, and Family Liaison. And so my cool. focus is really to help those families with young children, because okay. I do believe that young children who are just experiencing those problematic, um, you know those initial signs or something the initial signs just the challenging behaviors if parents understand that that's the time that they can do something about it mm -hmm. by getting the education piece it's huge yeah yeah just learning how to navigate how to communicate better how to talk to the school better how to talk to the doctor better how to support that child better Maybe how to think about medications, um, whether that would be appropriate or not. But all of these things would be things that if the child got the early intervention, then maybe they don't have to go on to develop a really severe mental health challenge, mental a severe diagnosis a little later on in life. So, Yeah, and I think one of the things, too, that... Um when we were in the class that I get, I was fascinated about 
is a lot of people just don't know where to go to help for help. And like you said, they're getting, they try to go, oh, well, I'm going to send my kid here, but the insurance denies them. So they just like, well, I tried, it's not working. And, and I think don't have the, they might not have, have the, the, budget resources. Or the resources. Right. I think a lot of people in these circumstances hit roadblocks and then they kind of like just give up because they've got busy lives right. and they don't make it a priority. So, um, that was one of the things I realized with NAMI is there's people that have experience in there that have made it, that made it push through the roadblocks. And even Rose, you know, your mom was having some issues with some stuff and just some basic information was able to go, oh my gosh, this is great. And I'm able to call the right place. She's been calling, trying to find one place. It's like, oh, here's the right number. Right. So um, one of the things I want to ask is the 12-week program that we did, just kind of simply – what is what is somebody gonna expect? Kind of, I mean, in a brief. I know it's long; it takes forever to go through. But what's the general? What somebody's gonna expect when they walk in the door from hopefully when they leave? Like, what do you think they're gonna get out of it? They're gonna find, as we have all found when we take family to family, you find the support and the empathy, and you find that you're truly not alone in your journey with your loved one. That there's other family members out there. So in a 12-week course, you're going to learn what to do in the event of a crisis. Okay. You're going to learn, you're going to share your stories. And yes, and... Many people have never shared their story. Wow. And the more you share it, it's a little easier on your heart. Um, in our support groups, we say that humor is healthy. So yeah. we do buy tissue by the cases because we provide them for all 20 classes and all the support groups as well. So there's a lot of tears when people share their story. Um, I will say that in, pa in the past, I've been doing this for about three and a half years, um, the men didn't show up to the classes. But now I will say there's probably about 45% men and then the 55% women, which is huge. We had a yeah. lot of men in our class, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, 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 it was great. Our class had was very special because we had so many large family groups. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that is a good. Yeah, there was yeah. other not just direct family like me. It was an ex, it was like a cousin. Family. Yes, us. You know, I'm a, I'm a son, son-in-law, yeah. right? Or something right. Like that. Yeah. Right. So that was really exceptional. And, right. Yeah, we had a lot. And of that's things. a criteria yeah. to take the family to family class is that you must have a loved one that lives with a mental health challenge. Oftentimes, we have individuals, because they've heard the classes so great and packed with so much information, they want to come and just get the knowledge, which I totally understand wanting to, gra to grasp that knowledge. What the class, But that's not what the class is for. The class is for family members who want to learn and educate themselves on wrapping their arms around that loved one that has a mental health challenge mm -hmm. so their lives can move forward. In going back to talking to the classes about the different pieces of what they can expect, there's communication pieces where we simulate a little bit about what it's like to live with schizophrenia and the voices. Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. And how using the I statements instead of the you statements. Yep, I remember that. I mm -hmm. statements, and I share that Can you give an example families. for an I statement? Can you just give us an example? Oh, sure. Um, this is huge. This is huge. So if you have a loved one who's living with paranoid schizophrenia and they're in their room and they have dark shades and they... They want they you go and see how they are to give them food or, and they say the mafia is outside. I'm, I'm they're going to come in and get us instead of saying oh no there's no one out there, you validate them. You're not agreeing that yes there's mafia out there but or there's someone watching the house. You would validate with them that that must be really difficult for you. 
or I hear what I hear what you're saying, but not saying oh definitely they're out there. Or it's not really saying, hard. or not saying, what are what you, you talking think? about? That, that's right. ridiculous. Because that's yeah. technically pushing them further. Because what you're trying to do is build trust. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And right. I think uh, so changing the vocabulary. That's right. one big thing that I learned is changing your words. Right. Just simply from, like, that's crazy. To I get it. I understand why you feel like that way. Yeah. Can literally change. Yeah, start changing focus. relationship. Right. And the, everything. Yeah. And it's really difficult for a family member who wants to go on and on and on and on with that loved one because they're not sure how to communicate with them and they're just so frustrated that they can't just pull up their boots and move on in their life. So yeah. it is a really frustrating piece, but I've had families after families after families say that just changing and just the way they communicate mm -hmm. with their loved one has made a huge impact in their For life. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, and I think the other add-on to that is the difference between the you statement and the I statement is um, oftentimes when, you know, like Annette just gave that example of your loved one in a room with the shades drawn and doesn't come out and thinks the mafia is outside, you know, sometimes the reaction might be, oh my gosh, what are you thinking? You know, you should be doing this and you need to do that and mm -hmm. you need you need to get out of here and you need to, you know, um, clean your room and open your shades, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But the I statement would be something more along the lines of, you know, I feel anxious when you stay in your room yep. all the time, yep. yeah. right? So you just say a short statement that for them, when they're hearing it, maybe instead of us like attacking them verbally with our words then the focus comes back to what their actions are how it's impacting their family member and so they might start to think about things differently right they might start to think wow i guess you well, do care. i didn't mean to make them feel that yeah. way or, do they yeah. do care wow I, yeah my mom's yeah. upset or yeah. she feels uncomfortable yikes yeah right. instead of like what are you doing yeah because yeah, right. we're that's what we're used to right that's exactly and it's actually planting that seed because if you have someone that lives with schizophrenia and they have voices going on and you tell them a you statement like you need to get outside and you and we as parents or moms just or partners just continue on and on and on Whereas if you use what Valerie had stated with the I statement, and then you stop. You put a great big red period at the end of that statement and let that resonate. Don't go on. Because if, if you remember hearing the voices, having someone give you direction in the exercise, you can't process any of those words. Maybe the first five, but that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's learned. It's being educated on how to, how to process this. Yeah, I wanted to go back because one of my moments of aha moment was the – I'm going to just cue this up. So we were in class, and you said, okay, half of you go outside now and half of you stay. We're like, we're not telling you what we're doing. We're like, what are we doing here because we knew. And so the people that were in the class, I think you were inside and we went, went outside. I think it was, it was Rosa, right? Yeah, Rosa and usually takes the outside so, people. Yeah. So she gives me this card. I'm just going to talk to me, and she goes, okay, it was like – the sun, the sun is out. The weather seventy two. So, and we, so you're gonna walk back in class. And everybody's gonna be sitting down. Don't worry about what they're doing. And you're gonna go from this person, to this person, and say this thing over and over in their ear. I'm like, okay. And then 
the class was, I think, what were they doing? They were drawing. They were drawing. They had to follow a set, um, a set of instructions to try and draw a particular picture with a certain outcome. But it's a simple picture, though. Simple, yeah. Like if there's no distractions, it would be easy, breezy. So we walk in. You're sitting there, and all of a sudden, they just go, "Don't worry about anybody else. Just do what you say." So I'm talking this, and somebody else is saying another thing, and it just sounds like utter chaos in there. And I remember, and all of a sudden, somebody's like, you're like, stop. Everybody stops, and they're like, do you, how how do you guys feel right now? I'm like, this is chaotic. And they said, well, this is what it's like. You've had it for five seconds to be in the mind of somebody that's schizophrenia. But also, I think only one person got the picture out of everybody. Yeah, I mean, and that, so, and you know, if you probably put a whole room full of people who are struggling with the effects of schizophrenia together, maybe one or two would get the directions right. And I believe there's eight or ten people maybe sitting down, yeah. and there's ten. So out of ten right. people, one, one got it right. Yes. And, and basically, everybody in the room, when you said stop, this is what it's like. Everybody just, we were all looking at each other like, wow. Yeah, it's very, very eye opening that you all of a sudden. You have immediate understanding of what it must be like to be in, you know, in the mindset of someone who's struggling with schizophrenia. Yeah, in my mind, and I know some of the conversation was there, but my mind went to I'm driving down the street and I see a homeless person, let's say, and they're screaming at a tree or right. themselves and they're out, they're in a manic state right. of this. And before you'd be like, what is like? Get it together, yeah. right? Because we're uneducated. Yeah. We don't know. We're just stupid. Yep. You make stupid comments. Now I walk, drive by and you're like, wow, I can only imagine what's going, going through on. that person's mind right, right now. And I was like, told Crystal, like, if that was me, I would jump through a window or yeah. of, off a bridge because that in your mind, it could be like yeah. that for going on forever. Right? And it also made us kind of like look at the situations differently because I remember one morning we went out to breakfast and north park at the mission yeah or no not the mission uh whatever it was uh-huh. swamis and yep. um they had the windows open and there was a, a woman walking by a homeless woman and she was screaming at everybody sitting on like in the morning beautiful yeah. morning and everybody's like enjoying their breakfast uh-huh. and this woman's like screaming at everybody and everybody's giving her the look everybody dealt with it pretty good everybody say. dealt with it pretty good uh-huh. um but there were a couple people like getting the phone out to take the picture and you're just oh, like oh, yeah. i feel awful yeah. You know, because you just think this person's going through something and nobody's helping them. Right. Everybody's just kind of watching. Right. And Somebody did go over and give her something that yeah, I know. they did. Some lady yeah. knew how to deal with her, went over, gave her this, like, I think something, and it calmed her down. And I think they deal with her a lot. But that's when Chris and I literally were, like, back to the NAMI class. We're like, yeah. remember the time? Yeah. And we just think differently now. Yeah. And yeah, even the have ice- more more compassion and empathy mm-hmm. for what – somebody who's in a crisis is going through. Yeah, and yeah. even the I statement when Crystal and I, which I'll be very transparent if we're not agreeing with something, but this helps people, uh-huh. is it could be just as simple as having a discussion or a disagreement with your significant other. Uh-huh. And she would be like, I get uncomfortable when uh-huh. you're yeah. like this. <laughs> and sometimes we joke, Yay. I go, you're going Nami on me yeah. or something. You know? But I mean, that's just, but it's help because it stops me in my tracks and yeah. I know because she says that, I think, oh my gosh, like I'm. This is bothering her. 
I can't really respond in some, even me, like, I can't respond like, that's ridiculous. I have to just respect it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she's telling you how she feels. Yeah, and she's feelings. She's uh, somebody who matters to you, and you're like, wow, I don't want to do anything that would make her feel that way, right? So, And also, I think, I always tell Kenny, um, now what we've learned, but this helped us further, is, like, keep your eye on the prize. Like, what is your desired outcome to this situation? Yeah. And even though it might feel like you need to say, like, you just get it together. Uh-huh. You're like, is this really going to get me where I want to be? Right. It's like, no, this is going to take the situation in a different direction. Yes. It's, they're not going to snap out of it. That's right. So my best chance of snapping out of it is to go the I statements yeah. and the Calm compassion. Calm down and be compassionate. Yeah. What do you think um, – what do you think – I know it's hard to go through the 12 week, but kind of people are getting some gist of what they're going to get. It's really coming down to communication and learning to trust and talk to somebody and diffusing a situation and things like that. But what do you think somebody gets that you guys gone through these 12 week courses with people, the average person, like some of the changes you see, what does somebody expect like from the beginning to walking in and the husband's like, why am I here? It's not going to do anything to the end. Like, wow, this has been a like game changer. What do you kind of see like a typical... I see people making significant changes with their loved one and significant changes within the family, the dynamics of the family. My husband said that after taking family to family, he, he had a completely different understanding of what his brother was dealing with. Um, And for the rest of his brother's life, his brother passed away about a year and a half ago. Um, and he said that he could be more compassionate to his brother, more understanding, and have a, a better knowledge of what his brother was dealing with. And he could share all of that with his parents and his siblings so that in hopes that the whole family could gain some uh, level of understanding about what, what his brother was dealing with. Right. And I also think... Um Communication is key, but I think every family member that takes family to family, they are looking for something specific I agree. when they take family to family. I agree. And that book is two and a half inches thick. It's a big book. Like it's yeah. a gigantic mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. And, and is they, it um, So it's, it's interesting that Valerie was getting – she was b- being turned down from the insurance companies. And when she took that class, what she picked up on was advocacy and how she was able to use that in her immediate life. A lot of family members will do the same. They're looking for that peace Rose in that did. book. It gave Rose confidence. Right, right. And it if did. you were to take that book today and open it back up and, and read take the class again or, or just you'll yeah. you will see something different. You will learn something different. Mm-hmm. I do that now. I teach the I class agree. as Valerie teaches and we learn something different every it's based time. Based on your pop. need. It yep. really is. Yeah. It absolutely where you're is. at in that moment of time yep. in your life because mm-hmm. you might have recovered. Right. Like, right. And we talked about that because I think we're all in um, different stages with our loved ones. Uh-huh. And it doesn't mean that when you move on from that stage that it's over. Yes. You might be find yourself back at that same stage in another time. Right. Um, I forget what those three steps or four steps were, but uh-huh. advocacy is the last one. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Oh, it's, here we go. It's, yeah, it's dealing <laughs> with the go. catastrophic yeah. event. Yeah, learning to <laughs> learning cope. Learning to cope. Moving into advocacy. So um, it was kind of interesting for us to all kind of gauge where we were yes. in that cycle as well. So, And yeah. just because the emotional stages, the predictable stages of emotional reaction – 
if you're in crisis, that doesn't mean that you're going to go one, two, three from step one to step two. Mm-hmm. You could be in step two and go back to one being in crisis again. Mm-hmm. Or you could be in advocacy and still jump back to one again. We've done that many times, Valerie oh, and I, I together, <laughs> with our own family members. But Valerie had um, talked, and you had asked Kenny about um, what we've seen in family members. And I do see and have seen many times, because I, as I met you, I go to the first and the 12th of every class. That's right. And on the first class, the, some folks are sitting in the back with their arms crossed, didn't want to, don't want to be there, didn't ask to come, just not wanting to have it but on class 12 they have said that their loved one has shared with them they have become better parents a better mother we've had um i've heard husbands and wives and partners say that it literally saved their marriage mm-hmm. because i could see I, that I, I, we were there i think there's mm-hmm. a few i'd say yeah for sure they actually got on the same page because when you have a loved one that's living with a mental health challenge and you have a mom who's saying, nope, getting a restraining order, want to detach with love, want nothing to do with it. And the dad or the partner saying, oh, no, they're staying right here in the house. That creates a huge strain on that relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Not that it's a guarantee that it will happen, but I have heard that it has happened again and again and again. I read every evaluation. Well, it brought our our family closer together, too, because I'm definitely the bossy one in our family, and I'm the more harsh one I guess you know if my mom can't say no they say she says ask your sister and they say never mind (laughs) that's always been me so I always take that hard path but it did help me to be a little bit softer in Mm -hmm. situations um with my brother and we were kind of going into a really good place with my brother in that class and now we're in another challenging place mm-hmm. today. So again, if if we were in maybe learning to cope, we're now back to dealing with a catastrophic event, and it's really helped us to come together as a family and make the decisions mm-hmm. now that we're back in this place. And it's also not—I mean, it's stressful for my it's mom, and chaos. it's stressful no matter what. Mm-hmm. But we have learned tools and coping mechanisms, and that you know we can always come back to NAMI when we need help with yes. different resources. Yeah, and so, there's always the support group. So yes. the support groups are just kind of like a little uh, booster shot, right? So you just get that little um, piece. And if and for families who feel like they need it regularly, we have the monthly um, different family support groups that they can come to and they can um, take advantage of the support. Right. So, the, and that's true. We have the support groups, like the co-occurring support groups, and that's where the other family members come together for the group wisdom of other family members. Mm-hmm. It's structured. There is a facilitator, but the the foundation of the support group is to get group wisdom from someone who is in crisis and is maybe not able to get into a family-to-family class, and they just need that support knowing that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to say that Valerie and I are not clinicians, psychologists, psychiatrists. We're moms that have lived experience that want to help other family members find their journey a little um, softer than where we start, where I started out 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things, too, that... um that I learned when I was in there, and we we were talking about this earlier, is that some of the stories are in there as parents that their kid was younger and they thought they were lazy or just dumb or just didn't care or they had learning disability or or rebellious Mm -hmm. or they're just no motivation. And then fast forward, they're in this class and maybe they went through five years or 10 years of 
trial and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And, you know, they were struggling because they were going through and reading some of these things. And you look at like, oh, my loved one has this, this, this. And you're like, uh, maybe that's not what it is. And I think they realized mm-hmm. through the class or before that my kid has something else. And they're going back and they're kind of now having regrets being, man, I was so hard on them. Mm-hmm. I was mean to them. I was like, what's wrong with you? I was saying all the wrong things for mm-hmm. five years. Yeah. And they're having to deal with that now. And that's why I totally agree with you. Um, that was one of the things on the podcast I want to talk about is if your kid's young and you're seeing signs, mm-hmm. wouldn't you just rather just look under the hood and check yeah. it out, make sure it's evaluated your child, the support that they need to exactly. navigate through this yeah. and the tools. Cause they are going to be an adult one day and you're right. not going to be able to force them into a rehabilitation or therapy or medication right. if that's what's needed, because that's the thing that in, in our class, what everybody's struggling with is that we couldn't offer that support and if someone's in a a manic state or they're in kind of denial or they don't want to do these things you can't force them so that's the hardest part I think once they become an adult is there's nothing and then you go back to we didn't give them the tools and now they don't want to take charge of that so or they're coping or we or we you know and like just like you said (coughs) in our case they're coping with the problem Maybe it's a correct medication that will help stabilize and then they can live somewhat of a normal life. But instead of using that medication, they're using, you know, crazy drugs or things like that and because that's all they have. That's what they know. But there they're, are people thriving too. I mean, you hear yeah. stories. Oh, I, yeah. I think it is becoming more of a topic now that people can thrive just because you live with mental illness. I mean, people live with all kinds of other health ailments, right. you know, and live – successful They've productive lives right. well how we many, always uh we always tell because <clears throat> we also do another program called ending the silence it's a program where we go into the high schools middle and high schools and we teach the kids about early signs and cool. symptoms of mental that's illness awesome. and what to look out for either within yourself or for a friend or even a family member and so the really great thing is is that we tell the kids that a mental illness is kind of like any illness that you might have in your body, like if maybe you have, you sprain your ankle and you might have to go to the doctor, you may have to stay off your ankle for a while, you know, you might have to take some pain medication or splint it or something until it gets better and it takes some time, but it does eventually get better. And then one day you're going to be walking on your ankle like before. So we tell the kids that the brain is similar, you know, if you if you experience depression and if you know that you're sim- receiving these symptoms and experiencing this for over like a two-week period, then it's time to find a trusted adult and talk to them and figure out what's going on here. And and it might be a situation where you might just need some intervention until your brain gets healthy because that brain just might need maybe some medication for a little while or maybe you just need to kind of step back from what you're doing and, and do something different. But it's very uh, possible that your brain will just go through that, get the attention it needs, and get right back to being regular again after a short period of intervention like mm-hmm. any other body part. Mm-hmm. So, In the case of situational <clears throat> depression, right. possibly, but in the case of schizophrenia where medicine is important, oftentimes um, the individual that lives with a mental health challenge believes it's like an antibiotic. I'll take it for a while. I'll do the treatment. I'm feeling better. Oh, yeah. That's so I don't need to do this so anymore. Common. So they come off yeah. and they go right back to the beginning. So it's it really de- 
I have heard and in my lived experience, it really depends on the on the um, diagnosis. It does, yeah. yeah. And there and there definitely are going to be different symptoms and different aspects of it. And um, so when we have those ending the silence presentations, you know, we we talk about what are more critical and what are uh, a little less critical, so that the kids know, hey, wait a minute, I the most important thing is I got to find someone and talk to about this and get some help. And what if, I mean, in, in the example of spraining your ankle, I mean, on the fl- flip side, it's like, you know, I have high blood pressure or my right. thyroid is off. I mean, you're right. not going to just take the medicine until your thyroid's regular because yeah. the second you stop taking it, yes. then it gets out of whack again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think too, just kind of taking that stigma away from mental illness because I, I get it. I mean, I think that was one of the things that we talked about in the beginning of the class is that a lot of us are ashamed of our family member or our loved one, that we think they should be normal and they should act a certain way and they shouldn't embarrass us. So we hide them and sweep it under the rug and we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But um, the one thing that we noticed in the class too is, I mean, A, probably anybody you would share your story with would have some sort of person that they have come in contact, whether it's an extended family member, somebody in their family, a friend of somebody that does deal with mental illness and that, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of support that you can get because through sharing our stories, each one of us has dealt with a situation where we didn't have the tools, but maybe you did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many people have been denied from their insurance company and didn't write to the commission of right. insurance or, you know, these kinds of things. So each of us could learn from each other and our stories. And that was a really powerful thing that I think everybody opened up. I mean, that's when the tears started coming mm-hmm. and flowing and when all the tough guys kind of started yeah. to, right. to open up. So um, Yeah, and the, yeah. the statistic is that one in five, one in five people in our world is touched by mental illness in some way, shape, or form, meaning they might have a loved one. Um, or they might have a close friend or, a, you know, a neighbor. Mm-hmm. But if you think about those statistics, then all of a sudden that world of mental illness becomes much more real and much more accessible in the fact that we're kind of all in it together. Mm-hmm. So the more we get, um, the more we can put the stigma aside and kind of embrace that it's part of our culture. Um, and when we start talking about it and we stop hiding it under the rug, then that's when things will really change in our culture and uh, mental illness will be much more acceptable. And we are seeing that. We're seeing more celebrities come out and mm-hmm. speak about it and Absolutely. being more open about it. and. Um, it's it's really important because it's sh- it's not something that should be hidden and um, swept under the rug. And also for the person who deals with it, that feels ashamed that yeah. they should just be normal or right. be a certain way. Um, it gives them at least the freedom to say, "Hey, this is, is something I need help with," mm-hmm. and to be open about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to get judged, or I'm not going right. to get fired from my job, or my family's not going to disown me, right. or you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was really valuable for us because I definitely dealt with 
the shame side of it myself. I mean, I was ashamed to say, you know, my brother is schizoaffective. I wanted to be that kind of like normal person or people might think I'm weird or people might lose respect for me or people, you know, all those things that kind of go through your head and especially mm-hmm. if it's your child or your spouse or mm-hmm. your sibling. Pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. What, what, um, you have to leave at 1245? Soon. Okay. We can, um, Thank you. Yeah. So somebody that's listening to this today that has a family member, loved one, and they're, 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 they, something's off that doesn't seem right or they're maybe really abusing drugs and they think it's because they're coping with something else, what's probably some of the first steps and they just don't know where to get started? What do you think some of the first steps you'd recommend them taking? I would recommend they step into a family support group. Where they can hear from other family members who may be experiencing or have experienced what they're experiencing. They're all over San Diego County. Um, NAMI San Diego has support groups. Depression Bipolar Support Alliance has support groups. The VA has support groups for their vets. But just definitely step into a support group. If your loved one is at one of the hospitals, they may have support groups. But that will give you the support and the comfort that you need that maybe what you're seeing is right or maybe what you're seeing is not right. That's a, yeah, and that's also a, I want to say too is that hopefully if someone goes to a support group and they say, oh, yeah, that wasn't for me. I mean the group was mm-hmm. kind of like this, that, or the other thing. Right. Is not to give up because you're not always going to find the right fit the first time. Sure. Yeah. But that's not. Try, yeah. yeah, try several yeah. different ones. Because sure. I promise you, you get the right one, it will change your life. It's exactly. worth to go to three or four more. Yeah. Right. So there are some support groups that have six people in them. They're very intimate. I was at a support group two weeks ago. There were 18 people in the support group. Okay. And they deal with the ones that are in crisis first. Mm-hmm. So every support group, there's one every week up in the North County, but most support groups are monthly. And you can go to every single one of them until you find the one that's the right fit for you. Sure. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that, you know, for people who are struggling or they just want more information, the internet is a great resource, but I would definitely check out namisandiego.org. Okay. <clears throat> we have a lot of, content. Uh, we have a lot of content. Um, if they're, if they're a family with children, um, under our, is it under the support tab? I think it's a support. Services. Su- services tab. Yeah. yeah. And then you can, um, that's a drop down menu, and one of the top ones says children, youth, and families, and that will take you straight to the children, youth, and family liaison website. We have a resources page there with all kinds of things that families can look into. Um, there's a meetings page so they can find out when are the upcoming meetings and get involved. And we even write blog posts. We curate blog posts that really are pertinent information for families to um, read about. And we just invite people to learn more about us and realize that they can trust us and become involved. Mm-hmm. And, and they can th- call, too. Yeah, they can call. Yeah. They can call. Valerie's number is... <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> they can actually call and talk to either one of us. Um, I'm actually going to be out of town for a week. I'm going to go do some grandmaing in Portland. So, oh, nice. um, But yeah, they can definitely call. And I talk to family members a good 50% of my day, just okay. helping them navigate what they want or what they're looking for but also on the NAMI website go to services go to fam go to education family to family you can look and see what classes are open we're Mm -hmm. at the end of our fiscal year so I just I will be I'm opening the last class which is closed 
in uh, North County, and then we'll start classes again probably in May, and we'll run them through the end of um, June 30th of next year. And it's about 20. We offer them in Spanish, English, Arabic, and Vietnamese. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's cool. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple questions before you have to go. If somebody's not going to go to class and they're listening to this and they're dealing with a tough loved one, um, what's, you know, and they're going through in their manic state here and there and they're just giving up and they're just getting really frustrated. What are some tips that we could give them today to just hopefully maybe help diffuse or start changing how they talk to that person, maybe can turn it around, you know? The I statements. Mm-hmm. Is it the yeah, I? Yeah, the I, using the I statements and, um, in the class two where they talk about the crisis is don't yell at them. Don't, um, don't block the doorway. Don't um, threaten. Don't threaten them. Don't criticize them. Yeah. Yeah. Cheating over here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't bait your family member by, you know, giving them wild threats. Yeah. You know, and don't approach them. Like don't try to touch them or hug them or don't stand over them. So, you know, in yep. a threatening manner, that could, um, that could not be good. Um, and sometimes you might want to avoid direct eye contact, you know, um, and don't block the doorway. But we always say yeah. to family members, the most important thing is safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Safety yeah. is number one. So if you feel that it's not safe, um, definitely you need to call 911. Um, the other thing is, if it's a mental health situation, we encourage you to call 911 and ask for the PERT team, which is the Psychiatric Emergency Response Team. Um, PERT uh, has clinicians that are involved, uh, and the officers are trained to be able to diffuse the situation. Um, it's completely different because Rose yeah. has done we that. We had to use the PERT team recently. And, uh-huh. and it's a completely different experience. And right. it will make a big difference in how things just go down. And I cannot agree with that 100%. Like, right. don't just call and 911. most people just don't know that they need to ask. So if that. you yeah, don't right. know what it's called, just call and say, I've got... A like, mental health uh, emergency. emergency. They'll I, know. Yeah. And then what you can do, too, if you don't remember the acronym PERT... Um, you can say, you know, I want an officer to come who's trained in being able to diffuse a mental health situation. Um, or you could say, even if the officer comes and you've forgotten to ask for that, when they come, you can say, you know, I'm, I'm concerned because it's a mental health situation. Can you please get a, a mental health clinician on the phone to help diffuse the situation? Right. So if you keep in mind that we have different agencies all over San Diego County, so we probably have more than 10,000 law enforcement agent officers in San Diego. In a perfect world, they would all have a clinician, and they would all be PERT trained. Oftentimes, officers show up without a clinician. Mm-hmm. There are specific hours that um, the clinicians team, work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they're expanding the program um, to include more clinicians, but it's not anywhere near... A hundred. So sometimes family members have a huge concern that an officer came that was not PERT trained. So they become very discouraged. But that doesn't mean that next time they call, you know, a clinician will come, especially if it's in the later hours, not so much in the morning hours, but like a swing shift kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
So, but if they can get their loved one, which is really hard to do, to voluntarily go to county mental health or go to one of the the hospitals, that would be that yeah. would be, that that would be a great answer. Mm-hmm. If somebody took a course like you both did. And they fell in love with NAMI and they wanted, this is something they wanted to do like you did. How does that process kind of work? Well, they could volunteer. Okay. They could come um, and we have a volunteer process. And um, once they volunteer, they can be involved in on a daily basis. They can come and answer the helpline. They can come and help Annette prepare for classes. Mm-hmm. They can help at our NAMI walk, which, by the way, is coming up. April 27th. Um, So NAMI Walk is an amazing event here in San Diego County. It's held at Liberty Station. Um, Starts at about, what, 8 a.m.? I think the walk starts at 9. Registration starts at 7.30. And then, um, but the walk is wonderful, but there's all kinds of resource booths there. There's like 200 community members that come out and they bring all their resources to share with families and it's really really empowering because you can learn so much and gain so much about resources that are available in san diego county Mm -hmm. so um, that's a great way Uh, we always need volunteers for that we also do all kinds of events throughout the year that volunteers could definitely come out and get involved with and i will say i'll put a plug for our volunteers because like me i was a volunteer but then um it turned into an actual job uh, with nami san diego so i was able to put my activism and my advocacy work um you know and get paid for it so i really Mm -hmm. see it as a win-win so there oftentimes are staff started out as a volunteer so and nami's growing we have over 80 employees i think oh definitely more than 80 as we get into more contracts but there's um it's nami national nami california and within nami california we have 61 nami affiliates statewide wow wow and we are the largest nami in the nation so where is the best place for somebody to learn more about nami i don't know if you can quickly um run down like kind of some of the classes quickly you know this where we're and what, like online i know they can find a lot of information where's it's the best find the right. find information about nami and the classes and online yeah so yeah. Go to services family to family and there's an interest list you can just do the okay. interest it goes to an email i respond to the emails um or you can um uh, sign up for a class if a class is open Go to the calendar, find the date, click on the date. It'll take you, and then you'll get a phone call from me. And if somebody's not sure, like, hey, I don't know, a class to go to this, that's why you're there to help them, guide them, and say, this is where you want to be before you right. go there or whatever. So if you just send an email, you can send an, or you can just directly send an email to f2f at namisd.org. Okay. I get those emails, and I'll respond to or if they're just looking for information or just resources because they're not ready. Some family members take family to family, and it's just like, mm, nope. They're not just ready. not ready. Not ready. So yeah. they step away from it, but mm-hmm. we they usually come see back. them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned something is that NAMI is nationwide. Mm-hmm. So it's not just California no. or San Diego. That no. No. NAMI is everywhere, so if somebody does have a family member or they're living out of the area, that they right. can find a NAMI in their location. It's right. actually worldwide. Oh wow! They teach in wow. Italy. They teach in yeah. They teach in other wow. countries as well. Cool. Um, NAMI National also has a program. It's called NAMI Homefront, and it's for family members who have an active military or a vet that lives with a mental health challenge. And we believe stigma. We know stigma in 
our lives is high in the military, it's over the top. Yeah. So they have an online course where family members can take a six-week NAMI home front. talks about all the diagnoses that your vet or your active military um, personnel would possibly have, and it's all done on a webinar. And Very they cool. can go to NAMI.org and look for that. Yeah, and the reason Family to Family is not organized that way is because, as you all figured um, in our class, is that we like the families to come together because it builds sort of a support group, 100%. like an Absolutely. intimate support group with this class. And that's why after the third class, it's closed to any new participants because the class really does bond together. Right, and I love going to class 12 <coughs> because I was at class one, nobody knew each other. Class 12, you have a celebration, you have a potluck, you have certificates, and nobody gets up and leaves. They don't want to leave. They want to yeah, stay with all the individuals yep. that get how they feel. Yeah, and I know you have to go. And, and so hopefully um, you will come back again because I'd like to dive into more topics. It's so hard. That's why I said one podcast, it's tough because there's so much to dive into. But I want it today to give an overview of kind of about NAMI a little bit, some of the stuff people are going to experience, some of the high-level stuff I think that's just common that we kind of caught us and grabbed us. Um, and the other thing is, is just quickly, is like we we ended up in the class because we're at the point where we're like, we're going to deal with somebody in our lives that is probably maybe going to get better, maybe not, but not. There is going to be ups and downs. And when things are up, that's great. But when things are down or we're in a crisis mode or something, is how we deal with them, come together as a family instead of fight and argue and get mm -hmm. pissed off at each other and make it 100 times worse. Right. And I think this class, to sum it up for us, um, meeting other people and experience that, that we're not alone and mm -hmm. that just normal people. We ended up knowing two other people in the class, which is crazy. Yeah. But um, just going through that really helped us. And that's why I wanted to kind of like pass this forward and have this podcast because I know that people are struggling with this stuff and I know they don't, they're, oh, I'm busy and excuses. Well, we're busy too, but we made the time. And then I was actually every week I was looking forward to going to class yeah. and when we, we missed right. it, I was actually kind of pissed off because yeah. I wanted to go. <laughs> that's and how that, it was for my husband yeah. and I. Yeah. We're each, like, oh my gosh, we can't miss that class. Right. <laughs> each class builds on the next. Exactly. And, and you don't really want to give it up, but I really have to share and I, and I, it's the teachers, like oh, Valerie. Oh, 100%. Give, they're not paid. They do <laughs> not get paid mileage. They are volunteers. I have over 50 family-to-family -family teachers who do this because they want to give back to other family members who also have a loved one that's experienced this, and they want to share their experience and to give them the hope that it is, it is, it's, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're going to be okay. Yeah, and... Um, the cool thing is, is that you bring food every time. So there's a little pile <laughs> right. but it, but, It's right around dinner time. So, so yeah. I just want to say, people, it's, it's not some dull, boring class. You get in there. You it's eat. It's interactive. It's interactive. Yeah. It's yeah. very emotional. It's highs and lows. We have a lot of fun. You learn a lot. You learn a lot about a lot of people. There's Some people have it way worse than you right. do. And people are in different parts of life where, you know, Buster at the time was on medication. It was great. And somebody else is dealing with a crisis right, right. there, like that week or the day before or something. So we're kind of, you feel. And, um, you know, we really, we really enjoyed like going to it. Yeah. And I, and hope I do want to say that um, as teachers, 
it's just magical for us to see some of the people who start the class who are so incredibly broken. They're literally broken. But through the course, they become empowered. Yes. And we see huge change. We've had people who've changed their lives around in that 12-week class. I agree. That they have gone from being the most broken people to feeling they end that class on such a high note where they've got their loved one in treatment, they've got their lives back, they have um, their you know other family members feel supported, they feel confident, they feel yeah. confident that they can do this. It's life changing. Yeah, I'd so, say Rose, I'd say your mom at the end of it. Because yeah. I think sometimes too, you, you feel like you're banging your head against the wall mm-hmm. and you're ready to give up and um, if you're in that position and you go into the class, you feel like reinvigorated right. and empowered and supported right. to be able to take the next step. And also just like you have tools. Yeah, that's true. But then again, on the flip side of that, there are some family members that will take the class that are just so irritated and angry and they resent. They're very resentful that they just stop because yeah. they don't want to be read to. And that's part. It's an evidence based book. So. Mm-hmm. Not everyone, but a huge, huge percentage is exactly what Valerie has said. And I owe so much gratitude to all the teachers that teach family to family. I am so grateful for them. And I have to be very protective of them that they try, like Valerie. She tries to teach back to back. But it is so important to have that two or three month break before you teach again because you take on all the stories of those family members and try to help them with the resources. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of us, too, don't want to hear the seriousness because it does, it weighs heavy on your heart mm-hmm. and it is um, really stressful, you know? So I, we would even go home at night and just be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe, like, some of these families are dealing right. with these things. It's so hard and you wish that you could help. And yeah. So I can imagine that if you're doing this on a regular basis, you also need to kind of refuel yourself yes. before you take it on. Yeah, and I do we appreciate try. I appreciate Annette not letting me teach more than once a year. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't uh, haven't done my NAMI basics class back to back. But recently we trained some NAMI basics teachers, so now I don't have to teach yeah. every class. So that's actually a good thing. So cool. I think my takeaway for the, your audience mm-hmm. and for us, and I repeat it all the time, is that we hold our loved ones' hope until they're able to hope for themselves. They are not their diagnosis. What you're looking at is their illnesses. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a good that's way to a leave great, That's a great That's a great away. ender there. And yeah. I hope um, you two will come back whenever you have time and we sure. can dive into a little bit more stuff because this yeah. has been fun. And I think we can um, you know, help people out more and more. Sure. Well, Absolutely. we hope your listeners take something away from oh, it. Oh, somebody will, and for sure. And actually, too, just if people, somebody is looking for that help, that it's here. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I think a lot of people just don't know where to go, and right. at least we're putting it out there into the universe that right. there is help when you're ready, maybe if it's not right now and you're not ready to receive that, but it's here and there's support and you're not mm-hmm. alone. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Thanks thank so you much. so much for having us. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yes. So easy to talk to you guys. <laughs> this podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.